So do this. Monday is a uh, slang, if you will, uh, taken from the, the Latin mandatum. When uh, Jesus instructs the disciples on this night to do this, it's a mandate, mandatum in the Latin. And that came across as Monday, Thursday. And, and so tonight is the night we remember that this is, this is the night he gives us this instruction to do this. To do this. So what is this? Let's pray. Lord, we come on this night. A night which is rich. And a night which is dark. Um, we come at a time of a powerful love and powerful betrayal. And we ask that as we gather tonight, we ask you to be in the midst of us. That you gather us around us even as you did your disciples so long ago. That we might be with you at this table. Amen. So uh, a number of years ago, I was, I was getting ready uh, to start, and we were going to have a walk to Emmaus. We were there, and, and one of the other spiritual directors uh, started off as we were having communion before everybody got there with the team. And he said, you know, if, if, if tomorrow you knew that, you know, that was you were going to die tomorrow, something was going to happen, and you were going to die, and tonight you were going to have your last time uh, to have a supper with folks, who would you invite who would you invite to dinner? Who would, who would you have at the table with you? And, and, and we talked about that and different people had different ideas and everything. And, and, he's, and then he kind of brought us back and he said, that's, that's really what Jesus was doing at this table. Uh, you know, he, he, he knew tomorrow was the crucifixion. And, and so tonight he gathers uh, this group at the table with him. And, and we don't know exactly who was there. Um, I mean, we know the disciples were there because the scripture tells us that. We don't know who else was there. There were other people in the room. Uh, the table, although ours is straight, the table would have been set up with a piece like this, and then there would have been two legs. So it would have made kind of a U shape, and it would have been much lower to the ground. But there would have been serving people who would have come into that open space in the middle to replenish things on the table. And, and we don't know exactly who all those folks are. Uh, so we, we have the disciples and we have some people who are serving, who are gathered there, but Jesus specifically invites this group of disciples to be with him. Um, specifically, last night, he says, I, I want you to celebrate the Passover with me. And so they gathered that night and uh, they would have come to the table and reclined around the table. Uh, in those days, the only people that sat in chairs were people who were too old to get up off the floor. That's me. Uh, but, but, but they would have reclined on pillows around the table and, and begun this, this Passover meal that the Jews had, had already been celebrating for, for, for centuries. Uh, a very familiar ritual that they would have come and as they did that, there were, there were certain things that were done every time when they had this meal as a way of remembering. And so uh, there, there's three questions that I bring up to you every time. And, and this is the first question that, that gets asked every, every year. And, and to this day, this is still the first question that gets asked uh, when our brothers and sisters gather to celebrate the Passover. Why is this night different from all other nights? And why do we eat only unleavened bread tonight? Um, those scriptures tell the whole story 
of the Passover out of Exodus, the, the, the night when they're there and, and God sends instructions to the people Israel about, uh, you know, preparing themselves to go and getting things packed uh, they're to take the lamb and, and, and slaughter it and the, the blood goes on the, the, the frame of the door, as we would call it, uh, and, and the, the lamb is cooked for them to eat that night. Uh, the unleavened bread is made that night and prepared so that uh, they will have food for the journey as they leave. Uh, and, and so God gives them this instruction, you know, this is what you're to do. But part of that instruction that's included in that also is, is God speaking to them and telling them, you know, when you do come into the promised land, I know you. <laughs> and I know that you're going to forget you're going to forget that it was my hand that brought you out of, of Egypt. And so you're going to start to, to take credit for this. Well, we did a great thing. We left Egypt. It's, it's, aren't we wonderful? And so God says, I'm going to give this to you so you don't forget. Because I know if, if you don't do this, at some point you're going to forget that I'm the one that brought you out of Egypt. And so he gave them this ritual, if you will, for this meal that, that our, our brothers and sisters still celebrate to this day. Um, we're not going to go through all the formal ritual tonight, obviously, but, but it's, it's a very formal kind of thing, and there's certain questions and answers, and, and certain people answered ones, and, and this being the first question is always answered by whoever is the youngest person at the table. That's uh, so what's always directed to that person to answer. And it's to remember, this night's different. This night we remember how God brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And, and all the elements that are on the table are gone through and they're, they're remembered and they're celebrated and sometimes they're mourned as ways of remembering what was involved in that meal, that night. And they, they, they come to the table and, and the elements are placed on the table to remind them uh, of who they are. So the, the bitter herbs are on the table and those are there to remind them of the bitterness of the slavery that their ancestors suffered in Egypt and, and the hardship of the labor. And the, the salt and the water are, are mixed to make a salty water that represents the tears of their ancestors as they labored under the Egyptian taskmasters and, and as their families were sometimes separated and killed. The nuts, dates, and apple, they're ground together make a material, it's called maror, it represents the mortar that they mix by hand, that that's how they labor to mix that together, so that they would remember what their people had gone through. And then they would be reminded also, the lamb shake would remind them of the, the lamb that was slaughtered that night and, and killed so that it would provide a meal to sustain them for this journey. And the, the unleavened bread, which could be prepared rapidly in the night because they didn't have to wait for it to rise, and which would keep on the journey, uh, would not mold and mildew as quickly as, as a yeast bread would have. So it would travel with them to sustain them on this trip, and they would be reminded of that. Through the meal, toward the end, they would remember the ten plagues. And with each plague, they would pour out a bit of the wine. And it would be a reminder of the suffering that went upon the land of Egypt that was part of their freedom, the cost of it. Ending with the, the, 
the last plague where the wine would represent the blood of the lamb that was put on the doorpost so the angel of death would pass over their homes but it would also represent the death of all the firstborn. And it would remind them that their freedom came at a tremendous cost. And so in, in, in the ritual of the meal, they would remind themselves of the, the story of the Passover and the beginning of the Exodus. And they would remind themselves of the suffering of their people, and, and they would remind themselves of the cost of that, not only for them, but for the people of Egypt. And later they would add to the table the egg. It came to be a sign of, of the new life that they would find when they would come to the promised land, and it became a part of a secondary offering that was brought to the temple at the three high feasts every year to remind them that, that not only had God brought them out of Egypt, but God had given them this promised land. And all of it was to remember that crucial story so they would not forget that it was God that brought them forth. As they went through the, the Passover meal that night with Jesus and the disciples around the table, and, and they're, they're moving through this, and they're going through this ritual, and they're doing it by memory because they've done it since they were, you know, very, very young. They've repeated this. They know it inside and out. It's something they would go through every year, and they're moving through this ritual. And as they move through it toward the end of the ritual, Jesus changed some things. Next slide. He changed some things. Why is this night different? When, when they came to the last time that they, they broke the bread, instead of using the usual words they were so familiar to them and the, the usual blessing, he would take the bread and he would bless it. Blessed are you, God Almighty, King of the universe, who gives us the grain of the field. And he would break it and he would pass it to them. And this time, instead of talking about the unleavened bread from so long ago that fed them in the desert, he would say, this is, this is my body. This is my body that's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when they came to the last cup of wine, he would reach back into Jeremiah 31 to the new covenant where God writes his word upon our hearts. And he would say, this, this cup is the cup of the new covenant. Jeremiah, the cup of the new covenant that's poured out in my blood for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. And I don't think the disciples understood that night. The literal sense in which he was offering himself up to be the sacrificial lamb that would feed them into new life and sustain them, that would, would protect them from death by giving them forgiveness. I, I, I don't think they understood it. But the fact that this 1 Corinthians passage appears within a couple of decades of the night tells us the early church understood it and, and held on to it and treasured it. 
that, that they knew and, and understood that in the midst of that, he was taking the events of the Passover from so long ago and reinterpreting them to apply to the events that were getting ready to happen. Except that this time he would be the lamb whose blood would protect us. And he would be the bread that would feed us. And that became part of our ritual early in life. And to this day, it's still the, the central ritual of all Christian faiths. Do this. Do this. Remember. Gather. John's gospel remembers a little bit more with it. In John's gospel, when they come uh, together that night, something else occurs. John tells the, the story of they gather around the table that night. And, and in that day and time, when you got up in the morning, you would have bathed and cleaned up just like everybody else would, and you'd gone out for the day. And, and uh, as they walk through the city of Jerusalem on the old stone roadways uh, and their uh, open sandals, the, the dirt and the animal dung that would accumulate there would uh, get on their feet. And even today in those parts of the world, if you travel and you walk through the streets, you'll notice the aroma. It's very present. And it would have gathered on their feet so that, so that the, the normal expected thing was when you gathered for a meal, since you reclined on pillows on the ground and your feet would be on your host's pillows and by your neighbor's food and face. Think about it. The usual thing was that when you came in, there was a, a wash station there, not, not to bathe everything, but to, to wash your feet so that the meal could be enjoyed. And whoever was the lowest ranking servant of the household was assigned that duty that unpleasant duty of washing all the guests' feet. So, so this night, as they gathered for the Lord's Supper, the disciples came in and the wash basin and the towels were there by the door, but there was no servant there. And they stood and looked and looked at each other and looked at the water and looked at each other and waited for some servant to come and, and, and tend to them, and, and no servant did. And I find it fascinating that at that point, instead of saying, okay, if no one else is going to do it, I'll do it, they all said, okay, we'll just go start the meal. Now, I don't know about you, but I... I would have found that difficult just, just because the logistics, the practical kind of side of it. But the, the, the pride that said, I'm not doing that. I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather smell the dung and have your nasty feet in my face and buy my food than lower myself to that. And so they, they came and they they reclined around the table. And in the middle of the Passover ritual, after Jesus had given them a while to think about it, to change their minds, maybe decide somebody was going to do it, I suspect he gave a heavy sigh. <sighs> Got up, 
walked over where the wash basin was, took off his outer garment, laid it aside so it wouldn't get soiled, and then he began to have them come over and to wash their feet. And I can't even, I can't even imagine what that must have felt like for them. And we know Peter struggled with it because his words are recorded. But how the whole circle of them must have felt as Jesus washed their feet. And at the end, he said, you know what I've done for you? You understand this? No, you call me Lord and Master, and, and that's who I am. I'm your Lord and Master. And yet I have set an example for you by becoming your servant. And as I've shown you, so you should serve one another. And then he makes a fascinating comment. He said, you know, if you understand this, you'll be blessed if you actually do it. Do this. I mean, in the Christian faith, there's knowing and understanding. There's, there's believing, acting on faith, and there's doing, living that faith out. And, and in that moment, Jesus reminds us that, that part of the do this isn't just this, but it's all of it. It's all of it. If you understand, if you get it, you'll be blessed if you do it. So that night he gathered the the people that were near and dear to his heart, the people he loved the most, the people he he had great heart for and had compassion for, and and who at times must have tried his patience. He gathered them. Do this. Share this meal. Remember this. Serve one another. Remember this. Do this. Love one another in, in the same way that I've loved you. Now, you, you need to hear that. In the same way that I've loved you. That's a pretty radical statement. And one that they wouldn't understand until after the weekend was over. In the same way that I've loved you, you're to love one another. Do this. He gathered the people that he loved the most that were nearest and dearest to his heart and said, do this. And tonight, again, he gathers the people nearest and dearest to his heart and says, do this. Amen.